1: Welcome to the Tea for the Queen podcast, the podcast where we try to keep our sanity in an era of staying woke. We explore current events and issues through the lens of feminism, progressive thoughts, discussion, peace, and love. My name is Tara Burns. I am your host, and this is your episode. Black folks leaving the United States is not a new concept, although more of us are aware of it, and it seems as if, more people are doing it. I was not able to find numbers about how many people have left the United States, but I know there are a lot of us. I plan to become one of those people. Um, there are some influential Black folks who have left the States. Um, Frederick Douglass, James Baldwin, Audre Lorde, Maya Angelou, James Meredith, so many people um, have left the United States. The list can go on and on. I have with me today, Miss Amber Blackman she left the united states she's in south america now and she plans to go to another country um she's right now she's in mexico city and she's talking about her experience traveling and also what brought her to leaving the united states if you're thinking about it give this a listen and i know you'll enjoy it see you on the other end Hello, Amber. How are you? Hello, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. Thank you for coming on. Of course. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So where are you right now? Where in the world
2: are you? So I am in Mexico City right now, which is where I currently live. Okay. How long have you been there? Um, so we're in April, next month will be a year of living in Mexico.
1: Wow. How are you liking it?
2: I really like it so far. Um, mm-hmm. I think certain things have, of course, been an adjustment just being anywhere new. Um, but yeah. I really like being here. Like Mexico City is kind of like a New York in terms of size. So there's always okay. something to do. So
1: how many people are there? You said it's like New York.
2: Yeah, it, population-wise, is actually bigger. So there are, I think, like
1: 22 million people here. Oh, wow. That's a lot of folks. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I have, I'm going to get into the more details about Mexico City, but before, you know, before we get there, I want to ask about your journey as an expat. Do you consider yourself an expat right now? Yes, I do. Tell me what exactly is an expat.
2: So an expat is someone who is residing outside of their home country.
1: And what's your home country? The U.S. So I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina, originally. Okay, so you've been you've been in Mexico City for about a year, so you moved there in 2021. Is this a decision that you came across during the pandemic? Like what tell me your story, you know, about the decision to move abroad.
2: Okay, so it might be a little long, but it started with in 2015, I studied abroad for the first time, and after living outside of the US, I was just realizing how much freedom I had. I just had a taste of like Freedom. I think that's ultimately what it felt like, just having space to be myself, um, not solely just being Black, but just being my own individual. Um, and so in 2015, I studied abroad and then I studied abroad again. I did my master's in 2017 in the U.K., And so once I finished my program, I knew that I wanted to stay abroad, but I just really wasn't sure of how to make it happen because I didn't have a ton of work experience. I was pretty new out of college. So I came back to the States, kind of got settled, got comfortable, um, started working and everything. And I would say the more recent thing that happened is in 2020, I had went to Mexico again because I've traveled here pretty frequently every year. And so I visited and I was like, man, I think now is the time for me to just go ahead and try to take the leap. And so I was, I went in December of 2020 and then I was aiming to leave in December of 2021. But once the insurrection happened, I was like, okay, now it's time for me to go. Right, right. I think everything between like leading up from election time to then that happening, that was kind of the last straw for me. So after that, I up my date up to May. And then I was like,
1: okay, it's game time. I was selling everything. It was time to go. That's good. So so where did you study in the UK? Um, I'm not sure if you know this, but um, in 2020, I went to visit my family in the UK and got stuck for eight months. I will say this. I enjoy the UK. Um, I think I can see myself living there. So yeah, I just want to know, you know, what were your thoughts about the UK? Oh, I loved it. So (laughs) when
2: I had first studied abroad, I was in Spain. So in 2015, I was in Spain. And so, you know, the flights within Europe are pretty cheap. So I was trying to go see and visit everywhere that I could. And so the first time I went to London, I was hooked. I was going like every month after that. So that's how I actually decided I wanted to do the master's program there.
1: But I did it in um, Brighton. So
2: about an hour and a half train ride from London.
1: Yeah, I know. Where, I know where Brighton is. Um, I haven't been there, but I really want to go. So, what was your experience as a black person in the UK?
2: It. I think there were kind of some different avenues. So, of course, when I'm there, everyone views me as still black, but American. So, people were pretty welcoming. Everyone was nice. I think people thought like my accent at the time was cool.
1: People <laughs> so cute, so cool. and I'm yeah. like,
2: what? Right, right. Like what accent? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: But overall
2: it was pretty good. It was um it was very surprising for me because this was pretty early in my international travel experience. So I didn't realize just how many black people are in other other places, you know, outside of the continent, but just just spread out across Europe and different places. So it was the first time I was kind of seeing just so many people of different backgrounds um and so I would say it was it was a really good experience I think one time I did meet someone who I believe they were from Nigeria and they were asking me like where are you from and I tell them you know the states and North Carolina and they're like no but where are you really from and you know those kind of kind of conversations are always like you know we don't
1: we don't Uh, have that history tied to it yeah yeah So how did you respond to that type of question? Because I've had to answer it myself. So how did you respond to that?
2: Well, at the time, I just was clear on the fact that, you know, I don't know, due to my history in the U.S. and like what we've gone through there, I simply don't. My, My generations, like three, four generations back to my knowledge, are all from North Carolina.
1: So outside of that, I can't trace too much further back that's the, I mean if you can trace that we actually might be re, be related I don't know if you're familiar with the Geechee people but that's where my folks are or my folks are so we might be cousins I don't know right um, <laughs> we <might be> cousins. <laughs> um but when when people have asked me that question um I always just say oh no I'm black American and then I get kind of indignant about it and I know some people are like why do you get so upset and i'm just like you know i'm actually i'm like proud to be black american and it's i like now that i i did do the ancestry test so i do know my origin country but still i'm just like you know people ask where i'm from i'm like well my family's from alabama and north carolina um they're like no where are you from i'm like well my family's from alabama and north carolina <laughs> right and i'm okay with that history um but i think it's fair for you to say you know you know that. You know you aren't you don't have that information, and it doesn't you know it's not a it's not really a bad thing. I think that's the beautiful thing about being a part of this diaspora is that we are so that we're all so different, even though the world doesn't see us that way so it's it's kinda of beautiful um so have you been back to the states since you since you left
2: yeah um
1: I went back when was it?
2: I went back in November. Um, mm-hmm. It ended up being a joint trip because we needed to handle our residency for Mexico and it was close to Thanksgiving oh, yes. time. So we just kind of okay. extended it to be there for the holidays.
1: Okay. How was that? Was it, did you have like a reverse culture shock? Oh, every time. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. So what's,
1: okay, when, you, when you come back, what is the first thing that always gets you? Or is it something different every single time?
2: I think, so there's two major things. Um, For me, again, going back to North Carolina, it's diverse to a certain extent, but it's pretty black and white. Um, And in my opinion, it's pretty, the neighborhoods are kind of segregated in a way also. Um, So I think for me going back, the first thing that I usually notice, like as soon as, like before I even leave the airport, is just the energy. Because I think when I come back, the energy is usually very heavy and it seems like a lot of people, of course, not everyone, but a lot of the people seem to be generally unhappy compared to when I come to Mexico, people are not just everybody's walking around smiling at your face, but people are friendlier and they speak more and they actually ask you how you're doing. And then I think, um, of course, like I said, being in, in back in predominantly white spaces, I think that is a very different feeling and it's very shocking coming back after being in a pretty much predominantly a mexican country uh yeah so brown country
1: yeah so what's the difference between being in a predominantly white space versus a um a latinx space like what's the difference there
2: I think being in the space that I'm in right now, it's much more welcoming. I think people actually see the humanity in me aside from just seeing me as a black person who's here. Um, of course, like I said before, I'm, I'm visibly black. I'm always going to be black and I'm proud of that. But I think when I go to the U S, it's almost like, like it's like a target on my back. Like it doesn't necessarily feel like people are like as welcoming. It doesn't feel like. It just doesn't feel as inclusive. Like, even though I'm a foreigner here in Mexico, I don't necessarily feel excluded. I feel like the people in my neighborhood, they always speak. People always ask how we're doing. If I'm walking through the train station and I look confused or something, somebody will stop and be like, hey, do you need help? I think in contrast, comparing it to the States, it's very, it's much more individualistic unless I'm in like my community of people.
1: Yeah. So speaking of your community of people, have you been able to build community with other Black expats in Mexico City? Yeah, Mexico City
2: has like a very large Black expat community.
1: Yeah. So
2: even on Sunday, there's um, a new thing that's happening that's called Soul Food Sunday. And it's like a group of people who are meeting up. Someone's cooking. I think it's actually two people who are cooking. Um, But there's events and things that happen like multiple times throughout every month. So there's plenty of people to connect with here across like all
1: age ranges. That's good. So you're not completely isolated. That's good. And it's it's funny that you mentioned um, that we t- were talking about the community because there are so many articles now about Black expats leaving the United States. Some of them say that they're leaving to escape racism. And then I saw another article that was saying there's a a brain gen, brain now pardon me, a brain drain because so many people who are very smart um, are leaving the States. Do you think that's true? Um, I would say yes, honestly. I think even for
2: me, like... I I knew before, like I talked about, you know, I I didn't want to stay in the States long-term after experiencing life abroad. But I think even as, after, for example, the summer of George Floyd and that whole unfortunate situation, like for me, I started picking up more books. I started reading more about our history. And I think even seeing how much, yes, things have changed, but on a high level, things haven't really changed that much to where we need them to change. I think even that and seeing how things were continuing to go right now it just completely for me personally it it made it so hard for me to even exist there because i felt like just being in the states and trying to exist was like a daily battle let alone i worked in security so i was working with all white men and i just found it very challenging and like when i meet other expats who are here in mexico or even when i'm traveling the feeling and the sentiments it seems to be the same across the board of just kind of being so exhausted of not seeing you know, the necessary changes that we want to see to be able to live comfortably in the U.S.
1: Yeah. Um, So have you, so I kind of feel like when someone leaves the States, you kind of have to go through a, um, a deconstructive healing process. Is that correct? Did you have to like do that of kind of, um, like for example, um, when my sister and I were in Amsterdam, um, she constantly was worried that someone was following us in the store. It's constantly worried that someone was following us in the store. And, you know, I'm like, I had to like stop and say, Hey, I don't think that's what's happening here. It's just, I feel like we're in this constant um, in the States, we're in this constant feeling of being sur- uh being under surveillance. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Definitely. So do, do, you, do you feel like you had to do like a deconstructive healing after you left this country?
2: I I would definitely say
1: yes, because for me, like even being there, I had so much
2: anxiety. Like that was one of the main reasons that was even like pushing me to leave is because I just constantly felt like I was going to be a target. I felt like, you know, somebody was always going to be trying to target me for something. And I think after moving abroad, there were multiple situations where I'd be like, oh, are they are they, you know, racially profiling me or trying to discriminate against me and sometimes I really have to even stop myself and be like hey that's that's the mindset of being in the states and being somewhere else not to say that you can't be targeted for something but generally I find that it's often not even racially racially driven um so for me I kind of had to get out of the mindset of that even interacting with the police or walking past the police in the states you know I would be anxious. I would be expecting them to say something or expecting something to happen. But I think here, um, it's just not the same. (laughs) A lot of people mind their business, even going past the police. They might say good morning or something. And, you know, for me and having been in the States and feeling all this fear and uncertainty, you know, my mind starts racing. I'm like, oh, are they about to say something else? Are they going to ask me for something? But it literally has never even happened. So I think there's some things, some habits that I had picked up in the states just from, you know, how we as black people often have to carry ourselves that isn't really needed in other places abroad. So it's like I'm I'm having to learn how to actually let my
1: guard down. Yeah. Yeah. So how are you how are you doing that if you don't mind me asking?
2: I think it's been a little bit of therapy. I've been doing therapy for a while and that's been a good space to like talk about some of the, the racial things and some of the things that I was experiencing in the States and how it feels now. And I think just doing a lot of reading, like just learning more about um, our history, I think is very empowering and kind of gives me a little bit of validation and seeing how other people before us have often Felt in different situations, especially like reading, for example, James Baldwin, somebody who has left the country and talks about their experiences of being abroad, but still carrying the weight of being Black and the feelings of knowing what's going on back home and whatnot. So I think it's been a mix of just that, reading, learning, therapy, um, even trying to just be more aware of myself
1: overall. I think it's um it's powerful that you mentioned that because when I when I um decided to travel in 2020 I did not expect for a racial uprising to happen. I that came out of nowhere. It was just like wow. Um and while I was abroad I had like this immense feeling of guilt. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um I'm not sure if you can relate to that. Have you had that too?
2: Yeah, I do. Even- no? Yeah even in trying to make the decision to leave, especially when talking to other people, it's sometimes it's kind of like, well, you know, my ancestors built this country. Why would I run away from it? Or, you know, everyone has different, different sentiments of what you should be doing in the moment, you know? So I think for me, I definitely had some moments where I was kind of like, well, am I making the right decision? But ultimately I think I kind of just had to stay true to myself because I know like, My peace of mind is more important. I don't think my ancestors or anybody from my past would want me to be stressing out and putting my life and my health on the line for a situation that doesn't really look like or a place that doesn't really look like it's changing or focused on change.
1: Yeah, um, I'm happy that you say that because um, my sister, I I had to deal with that in was said it, it wasn't my sister it was somebody I had on a podcast but she said to me she was you know honestly like as a black woman the ability to rest is a sort of activism you know what right, I mean right and there are so many um I believe Langston Hughes left the states for a while um Josephine Baker left the states um so I feel like you know that that kind of helped me with the guilt because I feel like we're in this constant. Um, we're told to always be in the fight. You know what I mean? Um, right. And it's it's like I just want to sleep, man. I just want to. <laughs> I just want to sleep. Right. Um, I, I just want to like sleep. Said,
2: like everybody is. I, I think everybody's role is different. What what role you choose to pick up is different. And that's not to say that you know You have to stay in that same place the whole time either. Like I could, you know, if if I needed to, or if I felt like I needed to, I could come back and try to get more active in the community or, you know, do, do something, whatever that something may be. But I think with how I was feeling before, me personally, I just needed to get out. I needed space to like breathe, even take in everything that was happening because for me... Even the insurrection, for example, it was just so, it blew my mind. I couldn't even believe it was happening. And then I'm still expected to show up to work and keep on going through my day as if nothing's going on. So I, I know for me, no guilt and everything else, I felt those things. But at the same time, my desire for peace was just so much stronger.
1: Wow, I love that. I'm probably going to title the episode "My Desire for Peace" is so much stronger. Um, <laughs> that's incredible. Um, so, do you have you experienced? Um, well, you know, we'll talk about. I wanted to ask you if you've experienced racism or discrimination. and Then I want to get into like the fun stuff of your time. So, have you experienced any type of discrimination while in Mexico City?
2: Um. So maybe. In stores, I would say once or twice I've been in a store, and the person is just following the security person is following me around the whole time, to the point of like if I'm in an aisle, they're standing at the aisle, staring at me, watching what I'm doing, what I'm picking up, what I'm touching. Outside of that, I can't say there's anything too major that has happened. Definitely nothing in in comparison at the scale in the U.S. I think at most people stare. Um, people have a lot of questions, but I think even the staring is more of sheer curiosity than it is of like hate or not being wanted or welcomed here.
1: That's um, that's good. So it hasn't been too bad for you. I'm I'm happy to hear that. Um, so also, have you? What about learning languages? So, before- are you native? A native Spanish speaker? Do you have you? Speaking no your life? <laughs> okay okay
2: okay no um so I had started studying well I've always studied throughout grade school because you know we had to pick a I don't know if it was the same for you but in my school yeah, in North Carolina, Carolina we had to pick one right yeah so I had started with Spanish and pretty much continued with it through college and then I minored in it and then when I studied abroad, I studied in Spain. So that was kind of when I got the immersion part of it and got to learn my firsthand on the ground. So I knew Spanish wow, okay. before I moved to Mexico. I wouldn't say I'm fluent, but maybe like a intermediate level.
1: Okay, so you're Spanish, though. So you learned kind of like the European Spanish. Was that hard for you to like... Because I've heard people from Spain speak Spanish, and it is very different <laughs> right, than the Spanish spoken in mexico so how was how was that trying to differentiate between the different like dialects? So I think it,
2: it made it easier living in Spain first because I feel like the accent and they speak a little bit to me more with their tongue, so I think um it was a little bit more challenging. Like when I first went there, I felt like I didn't even know Spanish. I was like, Oh my gosh, it was kind of like relearning all over again. But since it was a little bit more difficult, I feel like now that I'm here in Mexico, to me, it sounds easier because it sounds more familiar to what I was learning in school.
1: Okay. But yeah, that's, um, that's good. So it kind of just brought you back to like the original like dialect and accent that you were learning. Right, right. After having some practice too. Right, right. So, what do you do? What do you do now, like professionally? Everyone wants to know, like, what do black expats do? I don't know if you're a digital nomad or mm-hmm. what do you do. Yeah, so I do a couple of things right now. So I am an expat
2: coach. So I help other women who are tired and burnt out of the U.S. start to get their plans together, get everything in order to build a life abroad. And then I am also, I do freelance writing here and there. Um, the last pieces that I did were towards the end of last year for Insider. So I wrote about just my time in Mexico and how my transition has been. Um, but I do those two things. And then I also teach English
1: sometimes online. So I have my hands kind of in like multiple different Multiple parts. Yeah. I may need your help because I'm... Um... I'm in grad school now. And once I finish, it's sayonara. I gotta no. get, get out of here. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what are some things that you wish you would have known before um, moving abroad? Um. Ooh, that's a good one. You can just give me just three. Just three.
2: Okay. So. I think one thing that I wish I knew before making the leap would be kind of to not let the the weight of others' opinions get to you, because I think, especially coming from the U.S., it's not always super common to meet people who have traveled internationally. So I think when you start sharing your plans with people of what you want to do and where you want to go, some people think it's kind of like a crazy idea or well, why would you go to Mexico? What's over there for you? You know, I think people, you know, sometimes will always have something to say. So if it's one thing I could have told myself, my old self, before I had moved abroad, it would be not to, to take it personally or anything. Like sometimes, you know, you just kind of have to meet people where they are. Like they may, may be afraid or they may be nervous about what that leap looks like. But as long as you've done your research, as long as you know, you know, you got all your ducks in a row, then you really have nothing to worry about. So I think that would be the first thing. Um, Second thing, hmm. I think the second thing that I wish I knew before I moved abroad is that really there's no bad choices. Like if you move somewhere and you don't like it or something doesn't work out how you want it to, you kind of are in like the ultimate freedom. So you could find somewhere else to go, you know? you don't have to feel constricted or like you just have to make the situation work. Like you have other options in different places that are available to you.
1: Wow. Okay.
2: And then I don't know, third thing, (laughs) number three.
1: Okay.
2: (laughs) Um, What I wish I would have known. I would say, so this time around, I got it right because I was prepared. But the other times that I moved abroad, I would say, I wish I would have known the importance of budgeting because it's so easy to move abroad and just think to yourself like, oh, well, if I have $5,000, that's enough. Or if I have 10,000, however much, sometimes it's kind of just like a blanket number that people often will put on it. I think Having a budget would have helped me so much more in the beginning. And I probably could have extended my time abroad and not had to come home if I knew the importance of actually saving my money and accounting for where my money was going. Because I think, especially when you move to a new place, it can be so exciting. Everything's new. So you want to do this, you want to go there, fly here. It's so easy to just be blowing money and not even realizing how much of your money you're actually blowing through so quickly. So having a budget, I would say that's probably like the number one thing (laughs) (laughs) that I wish I would have known
1: before. Okay. So what pitfalls did you like encounter due to the lack of a budget?
2: So certain things like, for example, um, traveling a lot. So I would be taking a lot of trips and I wouldn't really account for how much the trip was, how much money I needed for each trip. I would just kind of go and just be... Living my best life, <laughs> spending and not actually thinking about, um, you know, setting limits for myself so that I can make it long term and sustainable. So, like right now, that is a huge part of what I teach other women how to do is how to make your move sustainable so that you can actually live abroad long term and not be blowing through money, just making sure your ducks are in a row financially. And then certain things like just even being more financially aware with like using debit cards, like for example, at the time I didn't know every time I was taking money out of the ATM, I'm getting hit with a $5 fee from my bank. I'm getting hit with conversions. I'm getting hit with another fee from the ATM. So it adds up. It sounds like a small fee, like, oh, 7 or $8 here, but... When you're using the currency of another country, you're constantly taking money out of the ATM. So those fees quickly add up.
1: Yeah, I I had to learn that really the hard way when I was in the UK, because I'm not sure if you know this, but the value of the pound is much higher (laughs) than the dollar. It was beating me down. (laughs) Beating me up, okay. And those, the fees for conversion, everything, it was so much I had to like move like my PayPal account to being in pounds so that like my money would come from the PayPal account and I wouldn't have to pay those fees because the con you know the conversion hits you and uh the what do you call it taxes not taxes and then it didn't hit me that bad but the conversion is what really got me because I would look at the number and say oh there's only one pound I saw that one and I wasn't thinking about the extra 25 cents that's on there you know <laughs> so it's It just kind of of hits you. Um, So you've been, so where else have you been to in Mexico? Um, So I'm in Mexico City. And
2: when I first moved to Mexico, I had actually moved to Merida. Um, It's maybe like two and a half hours, three hours from Cancun. And I've gone to Cancun. I've gone to Puerto Vallarta. I've gone to Tulum, to Valladolid um where else I've gone to like the state of Hidalgo and I'm hoping to kind of explore some more throughout the year
1: okay so have you been like south of south of Mexico like into that the lower um not peninsula the low the continent South America
2: yeah so I actually just got back from Colombia um literally just a few days ago yeah (laughs) how was that It was amazing. Like, when I tell you I am actually kind of wanting to just pack up my bags and go, like, it was very, very nice. So I learned that Colombia is actually, outside of the continent, Colombia is the third country with the largest population of Black people, um, which I did not know. So it actually changed my experience going there because, you know, I mentioned how here in Mexico, I get a lot of stares. Um, I get a lot of just curiosity, but being somewhere and visiting where, you know, they have Black people, they have Afro-Columbians. I didn't get those same stares. Like it was just everyday life, regular. Nobody cares about what I'm doing. I'm just kind of like not blending in all the way, but I feel like I was more just kind of in the
1: crowd. Yeah. Okay. So that's so funny because um I opened up TikTok. Um, this why my it's not a laptop here. It was on my phone. <laughs> but I opened up TikTok this morning and there was actually um a meme, not a meme, a TikTok that said that uh, Columbia is just, like one of the safest places for uh, Black folks and for queer folks. So it is so funny to me that you you brought that up. I need to add Columbia to my list. Do you think you might move there? That's my oh, next yeah. question. Yeah. Yeah. Really. <laughs> yeah. You like really liked it. I really liked it. Like, if I was
2: not in a lease right now, I mm-hmm. I would be gone. I would have came back, got my bags and
1: everything, and went over back to Medellin. It was very okay. Dangerous. So, so you're on a lease. What I've seen, a lot of expats have done. Like, people are staying in Airbnbs, monthly stays. Um. Honestly, I I thought about doing that for my last semester of grad school. Because it's online and it's going for like a month by month. Oh, by that's month perfect. Day. Yeah, I was thinking about doing that because it's it's much cheaper than my studio here. Um, but yeah, um, so you're, you're on a lease. How did you like figure that situation out? Was it easy? Yeah,
2: it was pretty easy. So when I first okay. moved, um, I did Airbnb, of course, because I think that's the easiest thing to do when you're somewhere new. So you can see the different neighborhoods around you, get a feel for if you even like the city and want to stay long term. Um, so I did Airbnb for my first six months, but what I did was I booked somewhere that I saw had pretty open availability, and then I um talked to the host offline so on Airbnb it was quoting me i want to say like seventeen hundred dollars or eighteen hundred dollars for a month, and then once I talked to the host, I was able to rent for like a thousand dollars a month in comparison to booking on Airbnb. So I had did that for a little bit. And then once I decided I was going to stay in Mexico City long-term, I started looking up apartments on the like realtor platforms here. And then I looked, a lot of people utilize Facebook. So there's like tons of apartments on Facebook Marketplace. And so since I do speak some Spanish, I just reached out to people and set up times to go see places. And um, here it's kind of the same in the States, but I feel like a little bit less work. Like you just need your deposit and what else as a foreigner you need um it's essentially like a guarantor but you can do it through like an attorney's office so it's called a paliza, and it's just a document that helps protect the owner of the property and yourself in the event that something happens
1: so you just did that and then that's how you got your place that's it oh that sounds very simple (laughs) yeah it was really straightforward yeah, it seems better than the process in the States. They want everything but your um, birth certificate in right. the United States.
2: <laughs> I mean, of course, here I did still have to show like um, bank statements just so they could see yeah. that I had some income coming in. But it wasn't anything crazy. I mean, I showed bank statements. I got the poliza, um, which was maybe like, oh, I don't want to tell you wrong I had to pay for it, but it wasn't anything like astronomical, like maybe a hundred dollars. And then from there, I got my keys. It was very simple.
1: Now, what about like as like visas and things like that? Like people may ask, okay, you know, how do I stay in the country legally? I know in the UK you can stay for six months, but what about what about in Mexico? So previously,
2: you could come here and you'd almost be guaranteed like the 6 months visa. But I think with the increase of tourism that's come and how many people have actually been overstaying their visa, they're changing the rules to be a little bit more strenuous. Um, You could still do it, but I think now it's focused a lot more on the income that you make. So it differs based on what state you go to in the states because the process is you go to the states, And you apply at the Mexican embassy and um, pretty much it's pretty straightforward. You just have to have all of your paperwork together. You submit your application the same day. Typically, you find out whether you are approved or not. And then once you get here, you can get your residency card. Um, But it's based on your income. So I think right now, before, I want to say most states were asking
1: for about like 2000 monthly. Amber, Amber. I'm gonna stop you there because I feel feel like you're giving away your services. And I think oh. I told you before, I don't want you to tell too much, not too much free information. If y'all want it, y'all gotta reach out to her. As as a black woman, um, if you were not talking to me because I'm already some I'm already someone who's decided about moving abroad, um, if you wanted to convince someone to um, you know, make that decision to up and move, what would you what would you tell that other sister?
2: I would say if it's weighing on you and you are really feeling like called to do it, you probably should do it because it's like I expressed for me, it was like a taste of freedom. I feel like honestly, even if someone isn't looking to move long term and they're just kind of considering it, I would say even an experience of just a month is so worth it and it's so life changing in a a way that brings you peace and just like tranquility and just time to even figure out who you are. I think that's been the, the biggest aspect for me is just having the time and the space to just learn more about myself and even what I want out of life. So I would say if you are thinking about doing it, it's totally worth it. And you absolutely should for the fact that it'll probably help your health physically. It'll help your mental health. It will elevate your happiness like there I don't think there's anything truly of course there's bad things that happen anywhere but I don't think there's anything that's truly negative that would be like oh you shouldn't do it because of this like you absolutely should do it at least once in your life
1: yeah okay well uh we we're we're at our time now so tell us where we can find you on the interwebs
2: so, my website is thedreamerslens.com, and you can find me on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok with the same handle, The Dreamers Lens.
1: Okay, y'all check her out, and you can get all that uh, information that I would not allow her to give for free when <laughs> <laughs> you reach out to her. Thank you guys so much for listening. Remember to give us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts and check out Amber at the Dreamers Lens on all social media across the board. I hope you take some inspiration from today and either make a plan to travel, explore it or um, reach out to her if you want to find out more information. Remember to contact us at contactteaforthequeen at gmail.com or visit the website tforthequeen.com. Have a beautiful day.